I'm Dr. Brian Goldman, host of the CBC podcast, The Dose. Each week, we answer health topics in a smart and sometimes counterintuitive way you won't hear anywhere else. Like, what's the least amount of exercise I can do to get the benefits? Which psychedelics can improve my mental health? And how can I check for cancer if I don't have a family doctor? Top experts help me bring you what you need to know in plain language in about 20 minutes. Find The Dose on the CBC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hi, I'm Ian Hanna-Mansing. Welcome to Checkup's Ask Me Anything podcast. And today it's our AMA about the life and legacy of Brian Mulroney. You have to have ideas that will benefit Canada in the longer haul. Usually an idea that's going to do that is unpopular. And as you fight for it, you'll make yourself unpopular. But your country will benefit in the longer term passionate leader who loved Canada very deeply, uh, a mentor and a friend. He had the courage to do big things. He was incredibly generous in advising me and our government on the renegotiation of NAFTA. I think that he would have uh, wanted to be remembered as a happy warrior, and I think he was. One word that's come up over and over again this week to describe Brian Mulroney is consequential. During his nine-year run as Prime Minister, the Quebec native won the largest majority government in Canadian history. He took a firm stand against racial apartheid in South Africa, introduced a national goods and services tax, and he saw the successful passage of NAFTA, expanding Canada's ties with the U.S., Mulroney died this past week at the age of 84. Our AMA guest is Steve Pakin. He's the host of TV Ontario's The Agenda with Steve Pakin, and he's covered and interviewed Mulroney over the course of his career. Here are a few highlights from our show. Steve Pakin, thanks for joining us. Ian, great to be with you. How are you today? I'm doing really well. So you've covered Brian Mulroney. You've interviewed him before. Uh, Let's go back to your first meeting with him. Cub reporter Steve Pakin, what do you remember about that? Surprisingly enough, a lot. And that <laughs> I say surprisingly enough because it was 42 years ago, and I think I was all of 22 years old. Brian Mulroney was giving a speech. He's, he's not yet the leader of the party. He's giving a speech in Oakville at a fundraiser for a member of parliament named Otto Jelinek, who some of your listeners may remember was an Olympic figure skater. And, and I'll tell you something, Ian, uh, the guy just knocked your socks off. The guy was an incredible speaker. I don't think I'd ever seen anybody speak as well or captivate a crowd. And you've got to remember, like much of my coverage at the time was of kind of former Ontario Premier Bill Davis, who was not a great speaker, or the mayor of the day of Toronto, Art Eggleton, who was not a great speaker. And in comes Brian Mulroney. And wow, it was pretty incredible. Uh, I remember having a little scrum with him after the speech was over. And my first question, while not brilliant, I thought was useful. I said, how do you pronounce your last name? Mm -hmm. And the reason I remember asking this question is because his answer was very funny. He said, it's Mulroney, not Mulroney. We lost an O on the boat on the way over from (laughs) Ireland. So there you go. 
Yeah. Um, l- listen, there's going to be lots of room here over the, the 40 minutes, our extended Ask Me Anything, for people to say how they felt about him. He is a guy who won two majority governments and, you know, the first one, it just seems so popular from coast to coast, but he left his progressive conservative party. Kim Campbell took over a very brief time as prime minister and, and the conservatives won only two seats in the House of Commons. So they're, you know, they're, it's a complicated legacy. And, and so we'll hear from from people who have, uh, you know, sort of negative things to say about him, and there's room for that too. But Steve, sure. we got to we got to remind people who aren't as old as us. You talk about his ability to give a great speech, also just such charisma and such a beautiful voice. Well, that's the thing, and I remember. I mean, you mentioned in your introduction that I've had the pleasure of interviewing Mr. Mulroney many times over the years, which is true. But the things that I really remember are not the interviews. The things I remember are the phone calls. And I was one of, I guess, a large number of journalists who he would occasionally catch off guard by calling himself. And I remember one time I I did a book about 25 years ago called The Life, The Seductive Call of Politics. And I thought, Mr. Mulroney, you are a poster child for that subtitle. So, I mean, because you (laughs) have really, he really felt that seductive call of politics. And so... Uh, I, I managed to get a hold of him. I did an interview with him. Uh, the book came out. <laughs> he obviously read the book because one day at work, it's 5.30 on a Friday afternoon. I'm staying late at work to get some stuff done. And all of a sudden, the phone rings. And this would have been in the days when you did not really have call display. So mm-hmm. I didn't know who it was. I pick up the phone. Hello, Mr. Pakin. I can't do the <laughs> voice, but you know you know that voice. Everybody yeah. listening to us now knows that voice. And of course, so I immediately said, Mr. Mulrooney, what do I owe the honor of this phone call? And he basically spent the next 20 minutes going through chapter and verse of some of the things in the book that I wrote that he didn't love. <laughs> and that was OK. Yeah. But uh, I'm glad he reached out. It was a good phone call. Yeah, you know, you captured two things that Rosemary Barton, our chief political correspondent, touched on on Thursday during the live coverage on CBC News Network. She, too, got a call. In her case, it was when she was getting hammered on social media. As Rosie said, shockingly, she was getting hammered on social media. Um, and so she said that Brown Mulroney gave her a call out of the blue and and sort of like, you know, raised her spirits. She also said that the call went on for a long time. <laughs> like she said it fondly, but she said, yeah, this guy can talk. Um, but you know what I've heard, Steve, is so many stories of people who got those calls. So in your case, it sounds like a conversation about what you had put in your book. But in many cases, and I think you've heard these stories as well, politicians, uh, journalists who are having rough times, all of a sudden we get a call from Brian Mulroney, uh, people that he didn't have direct connections with, and he he would be there to kind of give them moral support. I, I don't think a lot of former prime ministers do that. I agree. And I would put myself on that list because the last conversation I had with Brian Mulroney was about two, two and a half months ago. And again, just called me out of the blue, did not expect to get this phone call. And he called just to say, Steve, I've heard your mother just died and I Mm. wanted to pass along my condolences. And we spent the next five, six, seven minutes talking about my mom. And, you know, he didn't know my mother, uh, but he knew me and he knew that the impact of her death on me would be obviously significant. And he just wanted to reach out and and talk about it. And of course, you know, he'd experienced the loss of parents um, at this stage of his life. So he was able to impart some good advice. And and I'll tell you another thing, Ian, I knew that would be the last time I'd ever speak to him. 
mm. because you could you could hear in his voice that he was frail. Jennifer Wade is calling from here in Vancouver, and uh, she wants to talk about one of the things for which uh, Mr. Mulroney has been uh, criticized about uh, often. Hi, Jennifer. Hello, Ian, and thank you for having me on. Yeah, you're welcome. I do, I do have two or three questions. Okay. I notice you ask people to be gentle. I think I would retort by asking people to be truthful. I think with the very flattering tributes coming in, mm-hmm. I have to ask, has no one read Stevie Cameron's excellent book on Mulroney? It's called On the Take, mm-hmm. and it describes the, um, the the awful corruption and greed that went on during, in the Canadian government during the Mulroney, Mulroney years. Mm-hmm. And, and didn't Mr. Harper have to set up an inquiry into the matter when he took office? Yes. And wasn't Mulroney the only prime minister who sued his own people for a million dollars and got away with it? And, well, and why one, do we as Canadians distort history just because a man dies and it is being distorted? Yeah, well, so a couple of things. Uh, Steve Pagan just jumped in and pointed out that uh, the, the former prime minister won his lawsuit. Uh, so that that's interesting. Um, I don't know that we're distorting history. I, I mean, you're getting an opportunity to say what you're saying. The Stevie Cameron's book on the take was a bestseller. It's still out there. It's actually interesting. My dad said to me uh, a couple of days ago that he pulled it off his bookshelf. He read it when it came out and he, he had, uh, is rereading it right now. Uh, so all of that is out there in terms of history. And, uh, and so, yeah, I, I hope we're not distorting it. Uh, Steve, uh, why don't you weigh in on, on uh, Jennifer's uh, perspective? Sure. Uh, I, I think it's worth pointing out that there were certainly a lot of people around Mr. Mulrooney who got into trouble because when he became the prime minister, they took advantage of that. And, you know, some, remember there was a senator at the time, Michelle Carter, who got into big trouble and was charged with crimes. Um, I think to the extent that you can criticize Mr. Mulrooney for all of that, it's that he, you know, he sort of, his view being a Quebecer was that you sort of got to, you know, what's the expression, you know, let boys be boys. And there was a certain amount of, of, um, well, malfeasance that he probably tolerated from people that he knew in Quebec because, you know, they were taking advantage of the fact that their friend was in the prime minister's office. Uh, I, I think this is as good a time as any to talk about the Carl Heinz Schreiber business. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reality is that's that was an appalling lapse of judgment, and it shouldn't have happened. And I remember talking to Mr. Mulrooney about this, um, both on and off camera. And I think his, I think his response to that kind of thing was something like, you know, you show me the person who has lived a perfect life, and I'll show you a perfect a, a person who does not exist. Uh, he would he would be the he would ultimately be the first person to acknowledge that he really blew it in that circumstance. But I think one of the things that we're allowed to do at a time like this, and I think it's appropriate, is to put all of that in context. It's of course part of his record. It's of course nothing he can run away from. It happened. We are discussing it right now. But put it into context. Should those should those lapses in judgment overwhelm some of the, and you used this word earlier, Ian, overwhelm the consequential things that he did as prime minister of the country in back-to-back majority governments, the only other conservative leader in history besides Sir John A. Macdonald to have done that. I mean, I would say no. I would say you got to put the whole record into context and not let the malfeasance overwhelm all of the other things that are also hugely important to remember. I'm speaking to you at a moment of 
grave crisis. I'm Jeff Turner, and this is Recall. It's a series about history. Not the ancient past, but history that's still hot to the touch. In this first season, I explore a revolutionary political movement that brought a modern democracy to the brink. You can find Recall, How to Start a Revolution, on the CBC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, thank you, uh, Steve. And Steve Pakin, who's live uh, in Hamilton. Adele Rezai is in Toronto. Hi, Adele. Hi, Ian and Steve. Um, thank you for taking my call. Um, thank you to Jennifer and for making that comment. However, um, I have also my own experience. I have never met um, Prime Minister um, Brian Moroni. Um, in 19... 19- 85, um, his government um, pulled me and my daughter, four-year-old daughter, out of uh, captivity uh, when I was held as prisoner of war by another country for crossing um, international borders. I didn't have passport or anything, but uh, his government brought me to Toronto. (laughs) So (laughs) um, I want to say thank you. And um, that kind of kindness and care. And when I was in that situation, in fact, um, there were a number of countries like France or Sweden, United States, they all came to visit me and my child. Uh, I just picked Canada because the representative uh, gave a pen, you know, the one that has a Canadian flag on it. Mm-hmm. And he put it on my child's chest. And I felt in that place that I was no one, nowhere, nobody really knew. I felt belong. Mm-hmm. I felt belong. I I I felt hope. So, thank you, thank you for that. And uh, later on, I um being coming from a political family, um, I was able to follow politicians in Canada, and I I I am a high school teacher and I teach business studies, so I know that he was. Um, he was very instrumental for the free trade and also the GSD. And also one of the very, very good memories I have is how hard he works against apartheid. Mm-hmm. And I remember Barbara Fromm, CBC journalist, was the first one to interview Nelson Mandela. And I still remember that video. So thank you, Canada. Adele, some powerful memories, and I, of course, very much appreciate you you calling. So thank you very much. Catherine, I'm going to come to your call in just a moment. But before we do, let's go back to uh, to Steve Pakin, uh, who is in Hamilton. And Steve, um, take this in any direction you want. What, what else would you like to add to our conversation? That last call was incredibly powerful. And I think it, it, I think it points to something we need to remember. And that is that Brian Mulroney was... He had a terrific record when it came to minorities, not only in this country, but around the world. Much has been said about his work to end apartheid in South Africa. You referenced it yourself in the introduction to this segment. Uh, Not only that, there was an apology to Japanese Canadians that came in in the Mulroney years for the way they were treated, interned in their own country during World War II. And I'd add one more to the list, and that is, you know, nowadays, uh, I think it's fair to say the Jewish community in Canada feels a little under siege. Uh, for a bunch of reasons. And one thing Brian Mulroney did, he never he never sanctioned anti-Semitism. 
And, you know, he grew up in a province uh, which would have been, you know, 90 percent French Catholic at the time. And 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 anti-Semitism was a problem there, as it was in so many other places in Canada. And yet, for some reason, that was never part of his repertoire. He, in fact, uh, appointed Judge Jules Deschenes to head up uh, an inquiry into Nazi war criminals in Canada. And so I know the Jewish community felt very uh, secure and comforted when Brian Mulroney was the prime minister of the country. So uh, apropos of the phone call you just received, I thought it was useful to put that on the record as well. And apropos of the phone call we're about to go to right now, Catherine Lodge-Childs is in Vancouver. Hi, Catherine. Hi, Ian. It's actually Vancouver Island. Oh, Vancouver Island. Yes. You know what? It says that in front of the notes. I just didn't read till the end, as I sometimes uh, (laughs) fail to do. Um, Catherine, uh, when you think of Brian Mulrooney, what do you remember? Uh, One of the most significant things, like I may have disagreed with him and some of his policies on a lot of things, but one thing I have to say is his uh, stance on uh, being anti-apartheid. If he hadn't I honestly believe if he hadn't stepped in and made the point and assisted with Nelson Mandela and what was going on there, we had already lost a significant leader in Stephen Biko. I don't know if uh, apartheid would still be continuing in South Africa because there wasn't a global push to get rid of it until, you know, Brian Mulroney stepped in and made it a, made a point of doing so. Yeah. There's a lot of things that you could disagree with them on in regards to some of his policies and things he did in Canada, but the fact that he made a global significant change and went against a lot of leaders to do so, and that to me is highly significant of things he did as a person that participated in the anti-apartheid protests in the early 80s and late 70s. No, what he did was... uh, Saved lives, literally, and uh, made significant change and helped to, you know, continue on a country that has only done more and more for the global world, South Africa, since then. Yeah. And, and, you know, it, it may be difficult for people to either um, appreciate this from the perspective of 2024 or maybe they just forget But you had this country, South Africa, with this apartheid system, which was absurd and racist and absolutely unacceptable. And yet the world tolerated it. And leaders like, you know, other conservative leaders like Ronald Reagan and Margaret Thatcher um, were, uh, you know, willing to accept it. And here you had Brian Mulroney, uh, also a conservative leader, but of a very small country um, and trying to kind of punch above its weight in terms of influence, who did not want to accept it and worked tirelessly to have that changed. Exactly. Like we were looking in a position where Stephen Biko was beaten to death in the jail cell of September 77. Nelson Mandela possibly could have met the same fate if uh, some if Mulroney in Canada hadn't stepped in and brought it to the world's attention that, no, this is wrong and this shouldn't be allowed to continue. And for that, you know, whether I disagree or agree with him, I consider his... Him being a prime minister and actually taking that step. And mm-hmm. like you said, pushing back against the larger powers that be in the world, i.e. the U.S. and U.K. at the time, was is highly significant and needs to be recognized truly for what it was. I believe uh, somebody said that in uh, when he travels to South Africa, he is admired mm-hmm. more so than probably any other Western leader that traveled there because of his actions then.
Yeah, because Canada. of you know he brought forward Canada into that stance. Yeah, Catherine. and it wasn't the case. Yep, Catherine, thank you very much for calling in. Okay, thank you, Ian, and thank you for doing this today. Cheers yeah, to everyone. Absolutely. Uh, cheers to Steve Pakin, who's done such a fantastic job. Uh, when it comes to politics, and maybe Hamilton and the Red Sox as well, Steve, you are the perfect guest. So thank you very much <laughs> for doing this today. I really appreciate it. Great to be with you, Ian. You take care. Steve Pakin, a journalist and host of TV Ontario's The Agenda with Steve Pakin. That was a portion of Cross Country Checkup's AMA about the life and legacy of Brian Mulrooney. We were joined by veteran journalist and broadcaster Steve Pakin. If you'd like to listen to yesterday's full two-hour edition of Cross Country Checkup, you can stream the podcast on the CBC Listen app. And if you'd like to share comments or appear on the show, you can go to cbc.ca slash aircheck. I'm Ian Hanamansi. Thanks for listening. The next live edition of Checkup airs on CBC Radio, CBC News Network, and CBC News Explorer next Sunday. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.